Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Okay, well, it's so good to see everybody here this morning. Ted, I wanted to make sure that button got clicked. Did that recording get? Ah, yay. Praise the Lord. I don't have to stop and restart and do all that. Um, before we begin, I, want, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit uh, probably, I think I was in the yard Sunday afternoon working on something, and the Lord just snatched me. You, you ever had the Lord snatch you? Like, oh! Um, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit about something I said in last week's sermon, and he said, you didn't get my heart right. And I just want to correct that. We strive to be a refuge for healing for everyone from any background, religiously, politically, and culturally. Uh, Yeah, I said from different political back. I just said it. Okay. We want to be a refuge for healing for everybody. Wow. Wow. Um, I made a statement. I made a statement about God's will not being concerned, you know, concerning God's will and the slaughter of babies in the womb, and that was the phrase that I used. And when I said that, I did not pay it the proper respect that an issue like that deserves. And the Lord started dealing with me on that because um, I wholly, wholeheartedly agree with that statement, but I also did not. Pause to take a moment to address the women who have either had an abortion or those of us who have been impacted by the pain of abortion. I wanted to correct that this morning and ask your forgiveness for not expressing God's love and mercy for those that have dealt with the loss and pain from having an abortion. I want you to know that your story is safe here. God's love, grace, forgiveness, and complete healing is here for you. We'll fight for the lives of the unborn while providing the love, counsel, and grace needed for those who need to heal from their history as it relates to abortion. Of course, it it affects more than just the the mom who gave up that life, but it, it, it affects the men, family members, grandparents. I mean, it affects so many people, and um, and it was it was too quick and too glib of a statement to just say that's that on such a, de- a deep issue. We know that this is a major issue that we are dealing with in the nation right now. Um, and in the midst of that battle, the enemy wants to create this tension where um, if you stand for life, then you hate women. That's a narrative that's it's just the opposite right? Like, that, it's just false. It's not true. But we have to use our words carefully. Um, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, we do have Christine DeNova with us, who's the executive director of Life Choices Pregnancy Center. Today, I had no idea she was coming. This was not for her benefit. Um, but uh, Christine and Ron and Meek and I are really, really good friends. And um, I have the honor of serving as the board chaplain at Life Choices Pregnancy Center working with the board. I also serve as the board chaplain at Idaho Families, and 
Um, it's just such an honor to partner with you, Christine, and we're grateful that you're here. Will you give her a hand for all that she's doing? Thank you. All right, so Tiffany, there's a PowerPoint presentation in it froze. Annalie, can you help me? Thank you. Praise God. We are, um, um, we are in the series, Praying with Power. We are in uh, week number four in the series. We are looking very steadfastly at this concept of how do we pray the way that Jesus taught us how to pray. Okay, and if it's not going to, oh, it is going to work, praise God. Okay. Hang on. Look at that. Awesome. Okay. I love it when a plan comes together. Um, as we talk about praying with power, we know that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He did it in two specific places. He did one in um, Luke 11. He does another one in Matthew chapter 6. Um, we have been going um, over the Luke 11 one over the first few weeks where obviously you may know how this goes. In Luke 11, Jesus tells his disciples, when you pray, say, right? When you pray, say. And I think the word pray is important here because it's the word prosukamai. It means to uh, make a declaration, to declare a thing. It's more of a judgment that you're making than it is a beseech. It's not like, God, I hope. It's, no, God, you said. Right? And say is the word Lego, which really got my nine-year-old excited. Okay? So some of us adults are like, I'm excited about that. All right, so us, us you know, Lego builders. So Lego means to put things in order. Okay, so we're going to prosukamai, we're going to, we are going to make a declaration, and we're going to put some things in order in order to do that. So Jesus is giving his disciples a protocol when you pray, say. He's like, use this. I hate the term formula, but it works here. Okay? When you pray, do this. Today, we're going to read out of Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It says, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So today we're going to spend some time on a verse that actually could probably take months to unpack. And we'll actually... Um, do an entire series on this um, issue um, in the fall, okay? So we're going to take an entire probably eight or nine weeks to unpack more of this concept that we're going to look at today in the fall. Um, but we're continuing to understand the mindset and the protocol that Jesus gave his disciples when he taught them how to pray. So just a couple of just foundational pieces. I'm going to keep coming back to these things. Uh, in review, Jesus gave the ecclesia authority to pray. 
He gave his church authority to pray. Right? We know that when uh, we have Peter declaring that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says, on that revelation, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Then he goes on to say, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He, he places a tremendous level of authority on the ecclesia to do the will of the Father in the earth. The next item is that Jesus teaches us to pray with purpose. Don't just lob hand grenades into heaven, hoping something sticks. I hope I got his attention this time. Pray with purpose. And then the model prayer that he has given us is an effective protocol given to us by Jesus. It's an effective protocol. When we begin to pray this way, you will be amazed at the things that begin to move in your life. Part of our vision for this year as a leadership team is that we, are a, we want to, to learn what it means. We want to discover what it means to be a presence-driven culture of empowerment. We want to empower every single person to know Jesus really well and then do the things that God has called you to do, whether that's at home in your family or it's at the workplace or it's in the grocery store or the laundromat. As, as uh, Jared, Jared tends to go and, and share the gospel, right? Wherever you go, you are a mobile ark of the covenant. The glory of the Lord resides on you if you are a son of God. Say, I'm a son of God. And if you don't know Jesus, today you'll become a son of God. There is no good reason to not give your heart and your life fully to your maker to the one who has every good intent for your life in every way. I'm just, can I just reject the lie from the enemy that keeps us out of the will of God? Do you know what the lie is? That if I fully give everything to God, I'm going to experience some kind of loss. Lie from the pit of hell. You don't know abundance yet. That's why the devil wants you afraid of losing stuff that's worthless. <laughs> so we want to discover what that means, right? To be a presence-driven, empowered by God, in a culture, a place where the pervasive element of everything that we do is around the presence of God to empower people. That's that, like we are a refuge for healing and we are a launch pad for transformation. This is who we are. All of this requires that we actually take time to encounter God. Uh, one of the pastors that I really admire and just glean so much good stuff from, actually, you know what's fun is my, my friend, Pastor Matt, is preaching right now in Fort Worth, Texas at Mercy Culture. Uh, my friend, uh, pastors Matt and Maggie Wakefield, uh, where they were in Seattle with Pastor Tracy, and then they moved to Texas and are under the leadership of Pastor Landon Schott. Well, Mercy Culture, that church has a really interesting mission statement. It's to take our corporate encounters and, and teach people how to make them personal. Like, how do we go from corporate to intimate personal encounters? I love it. 
But that's the, the mindset and the thought around this whole protocol, this whole way to pray is to go from something that we used to do ritualistically as a group, right, to let's pray the Lord's Prayer, and then we would pray through it, and sometimes for some of us it's deeply comforting just to recite it, just like Psalm 23, you know, it's like, oh, there's, there, there's these things that oh, they're comforting, they're nice. Well, God actually wants to take us from that group encounter, the ritual, and take us into de- depth and intimacy with Him through this process. And personally, I've encouraged all of our leaders to try this. I am praying every day through the Lord's Prayer. I pray through this every single day. Why? I want it to take me deeper into the revelation of his love, what it means to be a son, his provision, his power, his purpose in my life. I need to get a deeper revelation of this divine partnership that God has called me into, and I'm doing that every day through the Lord's Prayer. And I encourage you to stop in your prayer time and go through the Lord's Prayer as a protocol and apply it to your life. Our Father... Whose father? You're my father. Where are you? You're in the heavens. You're in charge of every realm. God, I give you authority over every area of my life. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, make your name holy in every aspect of my life so that every part of my interaction with somebody is is surrounded by the holiness of your name, that when your name is spoken, it is revered as holy. Wherever I am, wherever I go, to hallow means to make a place holy. Make your name holy in this place. Hallowed be your name. God, your kingdom, not mine, your kingdom. Show me your kingdom, God. Reveal to me what your kingdom is. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Father, direct me in understanding what your will is for today. Let your will be done. God, not in the way that I would do it, but the way heaven, the way it's done in heaven. Teach me heaven's mindset. Teach me what it means to make a decision without fear. That's heaven, right? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm taking time on this every day. The encounters are wonderful. And they seem to be increasing, which is just super fun for me. And um, I kind of getting greedy about my alone time. And Mika's like, yeah, he is. <laughs> yep. So that's a, just a brief review of, of how we've got so far. That's how far we've been able to traverse in this process. And this week we are looking at um, the verse 11 in Matthew chapter 6, which says, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, you guys ready? Let's pray. And then uh, we're just going to receive what God has for us today. Um, and then we're going to activate that. 
So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness in our lives. We bless your name. We thank you that you are a glorious God. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the God of all supply and all provision. I thank you that today every every idea and thought and stronghold that has been raised in our minds that has prevented us from trusting you is being broken off in Jesus' name. God, I, I pray that you would be so clear that people would hear the voice within my voice, that they would hear you before they hear me. Father, we humble ourselves before you and and we just submit ourselves to you. We say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's talk about this. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, this is interesting. This phrase was a common Jewish phrase concerning the manna that was given in the wilderness. said, did you know that? How many of you knew that? That was actually, Jesus is using a common Jewish phrase about manna. Give us this day our daily bread, right? So we see this happen in Exodus 16. I'm going to read out of the New King James here. Um, I'm going to start in verse 12. I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Who's heard the complaints? God has heard the complaints. We ain't got no good food. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Say bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp. camp. What Charlie... Cobble said, quail tornado. Like one of our Bible study like podcasts we listen to is a quail, it was a quail tornado every day. Love it. So quail came up at the evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it, say gather it, according to each one's need, say need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons, let every man take for those who are in his tent, say in my tent. In my tent. So uh, here we see the children of Israel. They could only gather enough for a day. If they tried to gather more, the next morning it would be nasty, rancid, and full of worms. Ew. Grody. When it came to the Sabbath, though, this is how good God is. He's been messing with the Sabbath thing. God would always provide enough for the present day and the Sabbath when they would gather. They could gather up for two days, and every other day, that extra would go bad. But on the Sabbath, it was still good. You ain't got to work seven days a week, people. God's provision's good enough for a day off. We're making a real big push in our leadership to practice Sabbath. 
is very important. It's one of the most healthiest things I think Meek and I have really began encountering is this place of rest, of really taking a full 24-hour period of time and giving it unto the Lord, discovering what are the things that we delight in, what are the things that give us joy, that are fun for us. And yes, we get time with the Lord, and we delight in the Lord, and then we go play, we go have fun, we go do things that we enjoy. We'll make meals that we enjoy, right? It's going to be different for everybody, but but start to pursue that, okay? All of our serve team leaders and, our, and, and the people in leadership all know that this is a big push from us in this season. All right. So, by pointing to the manna, Jesus was letting his disciple know that God was the source of the daily supply. God knows what you need every single day day. He will always provide for you. This prayer points us to a place of dependency and faith on God for our basic needs. Of course, God says here, you know, God will provide for our households, and our responsibility is to ask Him for what we need today. We ask God for what we need today. Nowhere, nowhere does God say, pray for your retirement account. That makes us comfortable, but that's not a biblical directive. And I'm not, I'm not knocking retirement accounts. I'm very, very grateful for a retired chaplain of the Navy who grew up in this church. This church was planted in 1937. Did you know that? used to be the Church of God downtown in the old Kwanzaa hunt where the uh, park detail lot is right there. That used to be, this was, that was originally this church. Okay? So, so check this out. He grew up in that church. He was there when it was founded. He just celebrated his 90th birthday. He invited me back to South Dakota for it. I just wasn't able to make it. They've been here. Richard and Joanne Bershon have been here. Do you know what? He, retired, he ties, still ties to this house. He's one of our largest single benefactors that keeps the lights on and keeps things going. When Meek and I took over leadership, we were down to seven people. We would not have paid the mortgage if it weren't for Richard Bershon's faithfulness in the seed that he sowed here. You know what he gives off of? His retirement income. He tithes on his retirement income. We praise God for retirement accounts, okay? I'm not slamming retirement accounts at all, but we do often operate in fear. We need to deal with that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So, Jesus teaches the protocol of praying for God's provision. What's great about this is in the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches them how to pray, and then he follows it up just a few short sentences later with this, Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, 
Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, the Israelites, they had to gather, but they weren't allowed to hoard. They weren't even allowed to save it unless it was God's day. They could save it for God's purpose, not their own. God will provide, ask him for what we need today, okay? That's point number one. Point number two, fear of lack will cloud our judgment and our ability to receive. Fear of lack clouds our judgment and our ability to receive. Now, this prayer that Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, actually combats fear. It combats fear. What is the usefulness of Give us this day our daily bread as a prayer when he's already said he's going to take care of us. Listen, it's about what's happening in your heart. When God provides supernaturally, he provides abundance for the work we are to do. That is his work. Whenever we are following the will of God and we are praying for provision, we must come back to the simplicity of this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Often, we get trapped in a fear of lack or loss. When this happens, we can no longer hear God. Fear clouds our judgment and our ability to receive. Jesus, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus had just finished feeding 4,000 people and they had gathered up seven basketfuls left over of what? Bread, bread, seven baskets of bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, so so that's more than a day of bread, right? So he does this, and then the Pharisees are seeking a sign. Give us a sign, seven baskets. Give us a sign that you're really the Messiah. (laughs) You just fed 4,000 people plus kids and wives, and now we've got... uh, Seven extra baskets, give us a sign. Jesus says, I'm out. Peace out. See you later. I got nothing to prove to you, Pharisee. So he had finished feeding the 4,000, and he actually rebukes the Pharisees. And then in Mark 8, 13 through 21, let's read that. If you have your Bibles, it's in the New King James. Um, He says, uh, and he left them, and getting into the boat again, he departed to the other side. Now, the disciples had forgotten to take bread. We just had seven extra baskets. Well, they forgot to take the bread with them, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. That's a whole nother teaching. I'm not going to get into that. But they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they're like, oh no, it's because he's chastising us because we don't have any bread. And Jesus says, he's clearly Jesus. He's aware of what they're saying. 
He says, why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 4,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. And also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. When I broke the seven. Seven loaves, that's right. And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? We see this um, story told um, earlier in, in Matthew 16. At the very beginning of that, Matthew 16 is this, is this um, story of the disciples um, talking with Jesus about the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. And there, um, he begins to kind of expound a little bit more on what the leaven of the Pharisees and leaven of Herod is here. Here he doesn't do that. Well, one of the things that's really interesting is directly following that, directly following that, Matthew 16, is where we see this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, it comes directly on the heels of Jesus doing this amazing miracle. What's really interesting here is that when they were in the boat, the apostles, they were concerned with food. This is pretty common. Would you agree to be concerned about food? I think that we could all say, yeah, that's actually pretty common to be concerned with food. It's not an uncommon problem to wonder if you're going to eat. Well, unfortunately, there was an unhealthy concern about the immediate future. These apostles could not even hear Jesus' revelation about the leaven of the Pharisees because of their, their fears of supply and their view of not having enough. They couldn't hear the revelation that Jesus was teaching them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod because what? They were afraid of, of not having enough. Jesus, of course, chastises them for their inability to perceive what he's teaching because they could not see or hear from the place of provisional fear. Jesus interprets the miracles for them and says, look, I'm the supernatural provision of God. <laughs> he explains it to them and he says, look, the 12 baskets, that's each of you. The seven baskets, that's every day. Do you not perceive? Do you not understand? I've got your supply. You're worried because you got one loaf? You can't hear me because you're too worried and afraid of lack. I give you seven baskets, one for every day of the week. I gave you 12 extra baskets to prove to you that each of you are extremely important to me. Don't be blind and blinded or deafened by fear of lack. Don't allow fear to control your choices and behaviors. We got to deal with this one. Do not call fear wisdom. 
We have to stop calling fear wisdom. I'm just trying to be wise with my friend. No, you're running around scared. Watching too many YouTube videos. Slow down. We have a God in heaven who supplies all of our needs. There's the difference in being prepared because God's directing you to and being prepared because you're afraid of the boogeyman in Davos. If you don't know, that's where the World Economic Forum is, okay? For those of you that are following this kind of thing, many people are deathly afraid of what's coming. Would you agree? I, I mean, I see it all over the place. Stop being afraid. Who do we serve? Let me tell you what's going to happen. Some things might fall apart. And the children of the Most High God will live in a supernatural supply. Not because I was so afraid that I became so prepared. No. No. In fact, that provision may turn into loss. It might turn into nasty, rancid, maggot-ridden things. Because you're not saving up for God's purpose. You're saving up for your own. Come on. Fear of lack, it clouds our judgment. Don't be blinded or deafened by fear of lack. Listen, God provides supernaturally for his children. He provides supernaturally. He did it for the children of Israel in the desert. He did it for the 5,000 and the 4,000. When they were in need, he provides. He provides. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to what? His riches in glory, in, Christ, in glory by Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 9, 10 and 11. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, say bread. May that God, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything. Say everything. For all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Fear creates stingy people. The reason, I'm just going to throw this out there, and I don't, this is not personal. I don't track who ties and who doesn't. I really don't. Let me tell you what. Oftentimes, the number one reason I hear for people that don't give faithfully to where God has called them is almost always because I don't have enough. He gives bread for food and seed to the sower. He gives you seed to make bread with as much as he gives you seed to sow. If you're not doing both, you got it wrong. God will provide seed to sow as much as he'll provide bread for you to eat. Are we okay? All right, good. Hallelujah. God's provision, it is supernatural. See, 
Manna was God's supernatural provision. There's no other way to see it. No other way to see it. There was nothing natural or earthly about God providing what is it. I mean, manna is what manna means. What is it? Providing manna or bread in the wilderness. There was, there was nothing natural or earthly about this. There was nothing natural or earthly about Jesus breaking bread and feeding thousands with leftovers. See, Jesus is inviting his disciples to declare and say that God is their source of provision. Jesus is calling his disciples to believe God with faith and without fear of loss or lack in their life. Just as with the provision of the manna in the wilderness, along with this promise of manna, and along with that, the promise that the Lord has to his children to provide for them, we know that the word of God says that the just shall live by faith. It's four times in the scriptures, twice in Habakkuk, once in Hebrews, and once in Romans. The just shall live by faith. Faith and trust are broken when we take things into our own hands and do not believe that we need to follow in the, in the ways of the Lord. We're no longer just and living by faith when we take it in our own hands. God supplies bread to eat and seed to sow. When we don't trust God, for his supernatural provision, suddenly we find that our prosperity will turn to poverty. Then the devil whispers, you know, how many of you have made a financial mistake in your life? Just raise your hand. Anybody make a financial? Oh, everybody? No. Seriously, everybody made a financial? What? Nobody's nailed this yet? See, we make mistakes, and when we reap the consequences of those mistakes. The devil wants you to believe that you're in control of it. He wants you to think that you're in control of the consequences. You're in control of how you're going to get yourself out of that bad situation. That's what the devil's whispering. Do you know what, you, you know what the kingdom of God teaches us? that he supplies bread and seed. Because he does that, it's not mine. Can I just say, even your mistakes are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Even the errors that you've made in your finances, they're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. If you will allow the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, that God who's like people love to say, he's got the cattle on a thousand hills. Like he's got all the supply. When we recognize none of it's ours and it's his, he gets to be the supplier to make your mistake right. Maybe you don't have to strive so hard to fix it because he's actually going to provide for you. He knows 
that you made a mistake. He knew when you took out too much debt what was going to happen. He knew when you gave that friend money that's never going to pay you back. Come on, some of us have made these mistakes. Let me tell you what. It is foolishness to continue to do it. Amen? Come on now. Come on, it's foolish to keep doing it over and over. At some point, you just got to cut the card up and say, stop. Pause. Oh, man, we're going to have a hard time. We're going to have a college dorm ramen month. Let me just tell you, God is in the business of taking your mistakes, taking the, the brokenness of your life and turning it into his glory. His glory. So I just encourage you to follow God's principles in how you do that. Don't be afraid that he's, you're not going to have enough. Don't go, don't go toiling away and working harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder, thinking you get to dig yourself out of this hole. You might not be able to. God is the one who will redeem it. God is the one who will get the glory for it because you actually let him. We break the excuses. See, it is God's divine order and it is his divine will to provide for your needs today. Some of our needs of today are from our mistakes from yesterday. He's going to provide our needs today. Stop making the mistakes, please, people. That's the hardest thing of being a pastor. I'll just tell you right now. Like, wait, you did that again? <laughs> I just like, what? How did this happen? We're here again? Oh, okay. We need to we need deliverance. <laughs> I need deliverance. We all need, like, we need to get the Spirit of God to come work something out because we're trapped in a circle. And if you get trapped in that circle, come get some help. There's no shame in that. We'll get you out. The Spirit of the living God is here. We're a refuge for healing. We're a place where, man, you struggle, you battle, you can't overcome. We will, as we did earlier today, we will go to battle for you and with you on your behalf so that these issues no longer plague your life. Truth is, is that we all must come to him who is the bread of life, Jesus. He is our eternal supply. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. We come to him and we believe. Remember, the just shall live by faith. See, God will partner with us as we gather the manna, but understand that every work of God will require supernatural provision. God is asking us to believe with faith for his supply, for our daily needs, as well as the supernatural supply for the abundance that he has for us. So what's that bring us to now? It brings us to some, how do we activate all this? This is a good message, Pastor. Wow, we're going to deal with our daily bread. We're stewards. Remember the heart's cry of a good steward is, it'll never be mine, God. It'll always be yours. Amen. So, so we believe that God wants us to manage heaven's resources for the Father's business. Okay, 
I'm going to put myself in the right place in this pecking order of supply, which means that all I am is a steward. It's all his. He gets to direct me how to do it, how to spend it, how to give it. He gets to be the director, not me. Because when I direct it, I'm afraid. When I direct it, I'm stingy. When I direct, do you guys understand what I'm saying? We think about ourselves more than we think of the will of God, amen? Oh, that's just me. Okay, I'll talk to you guys. So the will of God, we have to constantly consider his will above ours. Even in the brokenness of our lives. Let me just say, the first thing that we must do is repent. Repentance is one of the most beautiful words in all of Christianity. It is one of the most beautiful words in all of Christianity. No other way, no other religion, no other place is there a thing that you can activate where you lean entirely on God to change your heart. Can you imagine the beauty? Can you consider how amazing it is that God gave us something that we can partner with him to flip everything into a different direction? What? What? We get the honor and privilege of repenting? Yes. This is where fruitfulness is found. This is where life is. Life is found when we turn from sin unto the living God. See, we need to come out of agreement with the lies. That's repentance. I am no longer going to agree with the lies. What's the lie here today? Well, the lie is that God's supply is limited. That is a lie. We've got to come out of agreement with that lie. We also need to come out of agreement that my options are limited. That's a lie. To believe that your options are limited is a lie. We need to come out of agreement with the lie that God desires that we strive and work to fix our problems with finances. Well, God, you can, you can heal me emotionally. I'll just take that served up on a platter, but my finances, I got to work hard for that one. Isn't that funny? This is why Jesus talks so much about money, because it's tangible. It's something that you can grab and hold, and, well, you can at least have plastic or an account number online now. But there's this tangible management, there's this tangible ownership that we can take over something that God is saying, no, it's mine. Learn how to steward that. So we got to come out of agreement that we are the ones who get to fix our problems. All we can do is obey. We got nothing else. The Spirit prompts us, and we say, uh-huh, yes, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. Not, well, God, I'll get to that, but i got to fix my problem first. I'd tithe, God, but i got to fix my problem first. I, I give to that ministry. I really want to, and I feel you leading me, but I need to do this first. That's a lie. Your breakthroughs in your follow-through to the word of the Lord. 
There is breakthrough coming financially over this house because we're going to steward well and we're just going to radically obey the voice of God. Instead of making all these excuses, all these crazy reasons why we can't obey God. Are you with me? So, we need to be repenting for depending on our ability to gather when he's the one who sends the manna. <laughs> I'm a really good gatherer. You know, they got one omer a day. I'm a really good gatherer. I get my one omer and I can gather up all the omers, whatever those are, right? I can gather up all the omers for the, for the people. Well, it says that 10 omers is an ephah, if that helps you. I don't think it does, but it might, right? So, I'm going to gather up all my omers for me and my household. And, oh, God, aren't I such a good gatherer? Aren't you going to bless me for being such a good gatherer? And he's like, if you didn't gather, I'd still have manna for you tomorrow. Your ability to gather doesn't have to do with the supply. Woo. What else? We need to repent for putting our trust in our reserves. We need to repent for putting our trust in the supply that we have. We need to put our trust in the provider alone. Alone. We need to repent for calling our fear of lack and fear of being impoverished wisdom. You are not wise when the fear of loss motivates your efforts. You're just not wise. I mean, I could use biblical stronger terms like fool. That might be a little heavy. Biblically. So, first thing you have to do. Did you get it? Hey. See that? You should probably turn that down a little bit. It's a little hot. That was for you, honey. Just doing my Eddie Murphy SNL skit impersonation of James Brown, hot in the hot tub. And uh, this is going to get clipped out of the online version. So (laughs) Wow! (laughs) I want to do the whole thing. Wow! Totally want to do the whole thing right now. Uh, Logan, this is where you edit that out. All right. So first thing we have to do is repent. And I gave us some things. And I, and I imagine that the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, began to speak to you on a couple of those areas where maybe that was for you. Right? This isn't about your neighbor. It's not about your spouse. It's not about somebody else. This is God speaking to you about the areas in which you need to repent. You need to take God up on the privilege of having a life transformation. (laughs) You know, that's repentance. It's like, wow, I get to enter into a new way of living. Hallelujah. So when we repent, if we don't, if we're going to repent, we give it to God and we say, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm wrong that I've been doing it that way. Please forgive me. And God, I give it to you right? Are we good with that? Now, 
God, will you tell me what you're saying about me? So often we repeat and repeat and repeat because we repent, but we can't receive. If you can't receive what the Lord is giving you in exchange for repentance, when you say, God, I'm going to turn 180 degrees, he actually wants to breathe something into you. He wants to put something in you so that you can move in the direction in which you're being called to go. So we need to receive first the identity of sons of God. Remember, we say our Father in heaven. Let your name be made holy in our finances, in our supply. Woo. God, you are my God. You are my Father. I am a son. I am a daughter. And may your name be made holy in our finances. May you come and abide with us, your children. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our finances as it is in heaven. Dude, the streets are gold. Let our finances resemble heaven. Let our stewardship resemble heaven. We receive new identity, God, as sons. Because we are able now to live on your supernatural supply for our households. And our faith is built on the foundation that you are a good father. We receive our daily bread. We ask that you would establish our faith to trust you in the hard areas of our lives where we would normally strive, where we would normally choose to do it our way, God, we want to choose to receive your love as we trust you. We have to receive in order to move forward. Otherwise, you're stuck in a perpetual repentance cycle. If you don't receive, you don't move forward. You need fuel for your tank to go forward. And he's like, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I will provide for your need. I will provide for your need. Many of us have have lived through financial, what I would call a financial calamity. We just break off all the trauma and residue of those financial calamities that have happened in your life. We, We just break that off right now in Jesus' name. It is not your portion. You have a good father. Oh, yeah, I had points. Be released to believe God and have confidence in his provision. Will you stand with me as we close out our time together this morning? You know, what's funny is I actually tried to put this one and the forgiveness one together. (laughs) Was not happening. Too good. Too good. The Father is too good. He is too good. I know some of us are a little more reserved, and I totally understand that, but I really felt like there was an exchange that needed to happen today. 
I feel like whatever that area of repentance was that is in your life that you're like, oh, I've leaned on my own capacity and ability. God, that is not what I need to be doing in my finances. You're the, the one who gives me my daily bread. You're my supplier. You're the one, God. So, so we, we, whatever, whatever area of repentance that is, I want you to consider that. And then um, you need to come bring that to the altar somewhere. Whenever you're available and ready to do that, Take that thing that you're repenting for, and I want you to actually do an exchange. Sometimes we've done this before in our seats where we'll give it to the Lord and we'll receive it. But I felt like because we're in a season of stepping in to a greater flow and anointing of the Holy Spirit, because he is speaking with more clarity about who he is and what he wants to do, I felt like it would be really good for you in your time, but before you leave today, to bring that area that you need turned around that area where you've not been seen clearly and I feel like you need to bring it up and come up here to the altar and then you need to set it before the Lord. But then you need to wait here until you hear what he has to say about you. Wait until you know what he's saying about that issue. Many of you will say, well, I don't hear God. You will. That's a bad excuse. He's speaking all the time. I'm just telling you, if you believe, you will receive. If you believe, you will receive. He is speaking to every single one of us in this room today because we are not to go away dependent on our flesh, dependent on ourselves for the next season of our life. We are to be a radical people who are fully dependent on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for every task, for every activity, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We actually have to begin to live this out. So take the moment and wait on the Lord and say, God, what are you saying? And he might just tell you just a whisper. It might even sound like your own voice. I've talked a little bit about what is it like to hear God. Sometimes it'll sound like you, but it won't be you because you know you wouldn't have said that to yourself. He might say, I love you. Thank you. I'll take it from you. You're strong enough. You're capable enough. He might even say he believes in you. So when you're ready, we're just going to activate repentance. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.